Amen. Somebody give the Lord some praise this morning. Hallelujah. Good to be in the house of the Lord. I'm going to speak this morning on, I'm going to try to add to Pastor Dave's uh, series on faith and continue on that. And I want you to turn your Bibles with me to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, the great chapter, the heroes of faith. And, and uh, if you come to my class on Wednesday night, we're teaching on faith. And uh, I've been running some videos early when we begin of some of the great men and women of faith of the last century, Oral Roberts and uh, and A.A. Allen and Catherine Kuhlman, and just kind of encouraging us as we, as we delve down into faith. And I asked the question, it says, we know this one, okay, this is the NIV I've got up here this morning, but it's faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. But I, I think we can break it down this way. That's what I told my class last week or a week before. That what is faith? Faith is I believe God. I believe his word. I believe that this is his word. This is inerrant, infallible in the original manuscripts. And this is God's revelation to me and to everyone who believes. So whatever God said, I believe. You know what faith is? I believe God. I believe God. I, 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 it's not just believing in God or that there is a God, but I believe that Jesus is the Son of God and that he is God himself. I believe he's the second person of the Trinity, and I believe that he has revealed his will for our lives through his word to us. I believe it. Without any shadow, I believe this book is true. And if God said it, we can believe it. And you hang your life on it. And not only can we believe it, we must act as if it was so. Because if, if this is God's word and he told me to do something, then what do I have to do? Do it. I have to live it out. I have to, I have to walk it out. So this is his word. This is his promise to me. And it's true. And in Hebrews 11.6, if you put that up there, we know that we can't even have a relationship with God without faith. It's not just that, uh, if you could put that up, it would help. Uh, maybe, did I not give that one to you? Hebrews 11.6. He says that now, they that come to God must believe that he is. That says without faith, it's impossible to please God. And they that come to God must believe that he is, and he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So when you come to God, you can't, you can't come to God without faith. You can't please God without faith. You can't have a relationship with God without faith. And he rewards our faith by changing our lives, blessing us. So, so what is faith? Faith means I trust him when there is no evidence, no facts to, to substantiate what's going on around me. I, I trust his judgment. I trust his ways are beyond my ways. I don't question it. I, I don't lose hope. No matter what it looks like, I don't lose hope. God said it. I believe it. I'm going to tell you a story today. I'm going to tell you two quick stories. Well, one's a little longer, one's real quick, about two women, two women of faith. First one, it's kind of a, just a little humorous story, but there's, there was a woman, and she's an elderly woman, and, and she would walk out onto her porch and of her house every day, and she would go, praise the Lord! And next door to her was a man who was an atheist. 
And he was a grumpy old man without the Lord. Can you imagine? And, and, uh, and he would hear her say that, and it just, just, it's like dragging your fingernails down the chalkboard to him. You know? And uh, every time she, he heard that, he could not believe it, just couldn't stand it. And one day, the, the elderly lady had been reading the story of uh, the life story of George Mueller. Maybe you've heard of him, but, but back in the 1800s, tremendous man of faith ran an orphanage. They didn't have any money, and he would pray in the groceries sometimes. I mean, they didn't have any food, and one day he gathered all the children around the table, and they said, where's the food? He says, it's coming. And they got down and they prayed together and he just, and Lord, we need the food. And suddenly there was a knock at the door and the baker showed up. He said, we, we overmade this bread and I just felt led, something told me to bring it to you. And it was enough to feed the entire orphanage. You know, I mean, is that, so she was reading that and she, she was, uh, her checks had run out. She'd run out of money. She walked out on the front porch and she went, praise the Lord. Lord, I have faith to believe that you'll feed me because I don't have any money and I have no food. Thank you, Jesus. And the old man next door heard that. And he, oh, I'll show her. And so he went and bought her groceries. And he put the groceries on the front porch and he rang the bell and he ran away. But he didn't run far. He was hiding in the bushes. And suddenly the lady comes out and there's her groceries and she looks in there, there's everything she needs and she goes, praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And the man jumps out. Ah, that wasn't the Lord. There is no Lord. That was me. I bought the groceries. And she goes, really? She said, he said, yeah. What do you think of that? She said, praise the Lord. You sent the food and you had the devil pay for it. You know, that's faith in God. Mm. Have you ever read Hebrews 11? If you were in my class on, on Wednesday nights a few years ago, a couple years ago, we went through the whole book of Hebrews, and we spent a long time on Hebrews 11. And we call Hebrews 11 the roll call of faith. Okay? And um, in Hebrews 11 are listed men and, and women who had tremendous faith, and accomplished some of the most unbelievable, unbelievable things. And you go through here and you see, by faith, Abel, and by faith, Enoch, and by faith, Abraham, and by faith, Sarah, and by faith, Moses. And you go through all of that, and, and, and by faith, Joshua, and by faith, Samuel, and by faith, David, and, and did all these exploits, unbelievable things, lives of faith in God that transformed peoples and nations, changed the world, changed their, their circumstances, delivered people, you know, and, and it was just, it's just really nothing short of amazing. And you come down to the last two verses of chapter 11, and it says, it says this. I left my glasses down there, right there next to you. I can read it without it, but I prefer to have it. Thank you. And in the very last two verses of Hebrews 11, I didn't tell them to do it, but if you draw, draw down to the last two verses, go to verse 30, uh, 39. And he's talking about all these people. And it says, and these all, having obtained a good report through what? Faith. Through what? 
did not receive the promise. God, having provided something better, some better thing for us, that only together with us they would be made perfect. Now think about that. Put that slide back up you put up a minute ago. I want to talk to you this morning about having better faith. Better faith. God had provided something better. for. Now think of this. The whole roll call of faith that we see, God says, is nothing compared to the faith that I have for you. You are walking in a different realm. You're walking with a different thing. And I want to talk about that this morning. And I want to start and be tell you the other story I want to share with you about a woman of faith. And it's found in 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 8. And now I'm not going to read all that. There's just far too many verses. But I'm going to give you the uh, Pastor Kim summary of, uh, of this story. Okay, if everybody get there. But it, it's, it's about a man a prophet of God called Elisha and about a woman who lived in a place called Shunem. So they call her the Shunemite woman. Shunem actually literally means peaceful place or resting place. So here's the story. The prophet of God is passing by a barren a, a woman and, and a woman's home and this woman is barren, we find out later on in the story. She has no child. Now, that's, that's a very uh, demeaning thing for a woman in those, age, in those days. Not to have had any children was a very, you know, she's in a bad, bad place. And yet she was fairly wealthy, we, we see. But she was wealthy in a way that would not cause her full fulfillment in her life. She, she desired a child. And as Elisha passes by her, eventually she and her husband uh, beg him to stop and eat with her. And she had seen him passing by so many times before. And, and then after they, he's eaten, he, she says to her, her husband, we find her husband's clueless like a lot of men. And this case, she says, you know, let's change this place from a place of visitation to a place of habitation. Let's build a room for the prophet to stay in. And when he's driving, you know, when he's driving, when he's walking past us, He'll stop in and he'll spend the night with us and he can stay with us. And, you know, there weren't any Motel 6s in those days. So that was really a nice thing that, for her to do. So they do that. They build that place. And they invite Elisha to stop. See, in the Old Testament, different, different time, different circumstance, Elisha represents to the people of Israel the presence of God. Because there was an anointing on him, and the anointing was the presence of God. And wherever Elisha went, God was going. Now it came and lifted, but he was in a different relationship with God than any of them were. And so she invites Elisha to come and stay, and the presence of God comes with him when they stop. The spirit of God's anointing that was upon Elisha was, was there. So she invites the prophet to stay, and she... Put, builds a room for him and his servant. And, and uh, by having the presence of God stay in her house, this Shumanite woman began to grow more and more in her faith in God. The presence of God will do that to you. Did you know that Joshua, 
during the entire 40 years that he was in the wilderness with Moses as his captain of the army, do you know where he spent every night? Inside the tabernacle. And what was inside the tabernacle? There was the tent of meeting, and over the tent of meeting was the presence of God. So for 40 years, Joshua spent every night sleeping near the presence of God. And so when it was his turn, to begin to take over and take the mantle of Moses and move on into the realm of leadership, he had spent so much time with God, he had that relationship, and God used him in an even greater way than Moses did. Moses was used. So one day, Elisha decides to do something for this woman. And he, and he says, you know, he tells his servant Gehazi, he says, you know, we've been, we've been coming here and this woman's gone to all this trouble and she's feeding us and she's taking good care of us. How can we bless her? And Gehazi says, well, you know, she has no child. And so he wants to, Elisha says, I, I want to bless her. I want to give her I want to give her the promise that will satisfy her. The deepest longing of her heart will be met. And so he calls her up and tells her, and he says, about this time, you're going to have a child. He gives her, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he declares to her the word of God. God says, you will have a child. You will no longer be barren, no longer be a, 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 on the outside. God is going to bless you, and I'm telling you, God is going to give you a child. That was the word of God. It was a promise of God to her. And she says, don't tell me that if it's not so. No, it's so. You will. You will have a child, he declares to her. By faith, he says, he speaks the word of God. And within one year, the Lord met her, and she conceived and bore a child, a young boy. You see, when we, she's no longer barren. When we, when we invite the presence of God into our lives, he brings hope. What were we just singing? He brings hope, okay, to our lost dreams. He brings hope into our lives. He, he, he builds our hope to believe that, that I see, I think that Elisha had to be there. The presence of God was in that house. She was living there. And now when he declares it to her, she can receive that. Faith arises within her and she says, yes, okay. And he brings, he, brings, he does that to us. When we say yes to God, yes to Jesus, he, he builds that. He comes into us. He comes in and lives in us and, and builds that so we can say yes to every promise that God has made to us. The, and suddenly the word of God becomes alive. Have you ever read the Bible? I was reading this last week, and I was, I was in Hebrews 11. I was reading through all that, and I came to the last year. Now, I've taught the book of Hebrews. I've preached on the book of Hebrews. I've talked about all those people. I've talked about faith. For t over 35 years, I've been preaching faith. But when I re got down to verse 40, put that slide back up. When I got down to verse 40, it says that God had prepared something better for us. And it just leapt off the page. You know why? The word of God is alive. Suddenly I saw something I had never noticed in all the years of reading through the Bible, preaching out of Hebrews 11, reading Hebrews 11, I had never seen that before. Put that back up there for me, which is act the slide. Okay, he said, 
God had provided something better for us. Better faith for us. Wow. And, and so I remember this story of the Shunammite woman. So by being in the presence of God, her faith had been built enough that the word of God became alive to her. And she conceived it. She birthed the word. She birthed the promise. I'm telling you today that God will do the same thing for you, that there's a word he has for you that will become birthed and alive and it will fulfill every dream, every hope you've ever had. All you've got to do is receive it. So God blessed this woman for her faith and for her desire to make room for the presence of God. And the dream of her heart grew up into a youth. But one day, something happened to kill the dream to kill the promise. Maybe it was an attack of the enemy. Maybe just one of those things. Sometimes, you know, things happen to us and we have no idea why. You can't blame everything on the devil. Sometimes life happens. But whatever it was, the dream died. The child died. And when you're faced with death and discouragement, you can lose hope. You can lose hope that that anything can change the situation. It's dead. The child is dead. But this mother acted differently. Why? Well, I'll tell you why I I believe. She had been living in the presence of God. She'd heard a word from the Lord. She received it. It birthed and, and came to fruition and grew. And she, who was a woman of faith at this point, was not gonna let the dream die. She's not gonna let it go. God said so. I believe God. I believe that God is a good God and he wouldn't take this from me. So she had faith in the promise of God. God made her a promise and he will not go back on his word. Why would he do that to me? So she knew the only answer was going to be what? A miracle. Uh, And if that was what was necessary, she was going to get it. You have to understand something. In the Jewish culture, they don't have long, drawn-out funeral arrangements. We don't know the arrangements for Pastor Jim's father because it just happened last night. But in the Jewish culture, they bury them, the the people that have died, within 24 hours. But when you read this story, what do you see? She didn't make plans for burial. That child died on her knees. You know what she did? She took him up to the prophet's room and laid him on his bed. Why did she take him to the prophet's room? Because that's where the presence of God had lived. She took him and placed him. For her, that was like the altar. She placed that child on the altar. And you know what she did then? She shut the door. She wasn't making burial plans. She was making plans for a resurrection. She was making plans for a revival, friends. She laid the promise of God on that bed. She laid that promise, that word of God, on the man of God's bed. She just saw this as a setback, not as the end of her dream. And she shut the door. See, here's where patience and faith have to intersect. 
What could she have done? She could have moaned and cried and said, oh, me, woe is me. What have you done, God? Why would you do this? Why would a good God do a bad thing to me? She could have turned her back on God. She could have buried her son. Instead, she shut the door and went out. On the, she shut the door on the fact of faith and opened her heart to the possibility of a resurrection. You can give me the facts. The facts say your child is dead, but the word of God said he gave me a promise. I, I believe that he's still called Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that heals me. A shut door to her was a declaration, you see, a decree of faith, not a loss, not a blockage, not denial, but I believe God. I'm, I'm not even looking at that. I'm not looking at the facts. I'm looking at what God said. She knew what God's word was to her. She knew what the promise of God was true. And, but for her, she was in a, she was in a tough situation. Because for her, in order to get, grab that miracle, she couldn't pray to God herself. She had to go find the presence. And where was the presence? With Elisha. So she had to go find the man of God. She had to go find Elisha. If she could get to Elisha, it would change her circumstances. She knew if she could just get to the presence of God, it would change her life. It's, it's like the woman with the issue of blood. It's a point of contact. I know that if I reach out to God and touch the hem of Jesus' garment, I know I'll be healed. And she was. She released her faith. For her, this woman, she had to go where the presence was. She had to find Elisha. So she, she gets on the donkey she goes to where she believes the, the prophet is, wherever it was, and she knows that when she gets there, circumstances are going to change. The dead are going to come to life. That word is not going to die. It's going to come back to fruition. It was a statement, and, and she, her husband says, where are you going? It's not Wednesday for church. It's not Sunday for church. Where are you going? I'm going to find the prophet. Why are you going? It's not, it's not church day. It's well. What was it as well? Peace, shalom, it is well. Huh. She was declaring a word of faith over her circumstances, you see. She wasn't moved by what she saw. She was moved by the word of God. So she, she leaves her husband, and she rides in haste to Mount Carmel to find Elisha, and as she draws near, Elijah sees her from, Elisha sees her from a distance. And he sends his servant Gehazi out to, to find out from her what's going on. And he says, ask her if she's all right, if her husband's all right, if her child's all right. And what does, he, what does she tell Gehazi? Shalom. I'm full of peace. Shalom. Shalom is like sozo is in the New Testament. It's wholeness. It's peace. It's prosperity. It's welfare. It's good. It's, it's a declaration that everything is, is all right. Shalom. She knew she's not moved by, what she, by that child laying dead in her room. She knows, she knows if she gets to God, the word of God will come back to life. Her faith was unbelievable. Can you imagine having that kind of faith? To put your dead child up in a room, get on a donkey, ride all the way to Mount Carmel, knowing that when you got there, the situation was going to change. Not just hoping. She knew when she got there, the word of God would be brought to fruition. She'd heard a word. 
She'd gotten a promise. So for the Shunammite woman, it wasn't the death of that child. It wasn't the end of her dream. It was just a problem that had to be overcome. And so she gets there and she comes up to the, you know, well, she comes up to the man of God. You know, and I was thinking about this. How many times, how many times have you and I faced problems in our life? See, she's, she's faced with the reality, a reality, that her child is dead. It's a wall. Maybe the boss told you we're going to have to lay you off. You know, I read something the other day, or I heard something, that 60% of the restaurants that have closed will not reopen. You know, a lot of people have been laid off. Maybe that's your situation. What are you going to do about it? Or maybe the doctor says, you know, this is cancer. What are you going to do? Money's dried up. Situation doesn't look good. This woman said, Shalom. Shalom. It's well. It's well. You know the story about the man who wrote Amazing Grace. You know, or, you know, it is well with my soul. Which, you know, and, and, you know, his, his children and wife had died in a terrible tragedy on the ocean. And he gets to that place in the ocean and he, he, says, he begins to hear, It is well. Well, it is well. Can you say it is well in spite of what your circumstances say? This woman did. She didn't ignore the facts. She wasn't in denial, but she dared to be more convinced of what the Word of God said than what somebody else said. Do you understand me? See, I think that's one of the problems that people have about positive confession and everything. Look, I would rather confess what God says than what I'm standing there looking at. If there's any hope whatsoever, if God has given me a promise, then I'm going to confess his promise before I confess my situation. Now, I'm not saying if your arm's cut, don't confess that it's, you know, it's bleeding. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about if God gave me a promise that he would take care of me, he would take care of my finances, he would give me this business or he, he would heal me, then I have to believe that. And this woman was in that situation. She dared to believe the promise of God. And so... She gets to, to the prophet and, and uh, she tells him. And so Elisha tells Gehazi to take his staff, which represented his authority, okay, and to run before them and go back to her house and pray for the boy. And so Gehazi does, but he's not successful. What was the difference between Elisha and Gehazi? You know, I want to tell you something. It was the same problem that the disciples had in Matthew 17 when they couldn't cast a demon out of the boy. It's one thing to hang around the presence. It's another thing to have the presence of God in you. If we find out later when Gehazi was uh, tempted by Naaman and took all the money, so we find out he's greedy. In fact, he turns into a leper. So he had no chance of seeing anything happen for that boy, but he, he obeyed. He went there. And uh, he, he should have had, he'd been, living, uh, he'd been living in the presence. He'd seen the miracles. He'd, seen, he'd heard the word of God. He should have been changed, but he wasn't. There's a lot of people in the church like that. They've been sitting in these pews for year after year after year after year, hearing the word, hearing the word, hearing the word, but faith has never rose up in them. They can't do it on their own. 
it's time for us. I preached a few, few couple last month about a couple months ago about you're the anointed. It's time for us to walk in that anointing. Way past time for you to walk in that anointing. And uh, so uh, Gehazi had, had had no choice, no chance. I mean, and so. Elisha gets there and he goes up into the room and he shuts the door. He shuts out the rest of the world. He lays down on that boy and he prays. And after praying a couple times, the boy's body warmed up a little bit, but it could have just been from the, you know, the, the fact that he's laying on top of him. So you know what does he do? He quits and he walks out the door and tells her, no, your son's dead. No, that's not what he did. Of course not. He got, he walked around the room. He began to pray the word. He began to speak the word. He began to confess the word. God, you gave this woman a promise. This child is hers. Lord, you told me that this is what you told me. And I believe you. And I know you're going to resurrect this child. And after a little while of faith building time, speaking the word, he gets back on that boy and he prays for him again. He persevered when he didn't see it the first time. Do you hear me? And the boy sneezed and came alive. He wasn't preparing for a death. He was preparing for a revival. It's time for the body of Christ to stop saying that things are dead and start confessing the words. Prepare for a resurrection of your dream, of your promise, what God's already given to you, and start standing upon the word no matter what it looks like. Supernatural empowerment, for crying out loud, was flowing through Elisha, and I tell you today, it's flowing through you. He persevered in faith. He persevered in prayer. He didn't quit. He didn't give up just because of what he saw. Now, I have to tell you, and the boy was delivered back to his mother, and the promise of God, God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him in faith. And the woman's faith was rewarded. Now, I think you'd have to admit, that's a pretty strong story. Wouldn't you like to have the faith of the Shunammite woman. Well, you do. To every man, woman, and child has been given the measure of faith. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you have the measure of faith. You have all the faith you need to move any mountain that ever comes into your path. I want you to turn back with me to Hebrews eleven thirty nine. All these people in Hebrews 11, Moses and Abraham and Enoch. I mean, imagine Enoch. Pleased God so much that God took him home and didn't even die a physical death. But it says, all of these were commended for their faith. Yet none of them received what was promised. What's promised? Jesus. They were given promises. They were told Abraham is going to have this land. He's going to have a child. He's going to make his name great. He's going to be wealthy and all that stuff. There were many promises that God gave him. But in the distance, there was another city coming, the new Jerusalem. There was someone coming, the Messiah. His name is Jesus. He's going to give them not just the physical things, but the spiritual things. They're going to have eternal life. They, they were promised eternal life, but they, they didn't know how. But when Jesus comes, he's going to marry the old and the new into a new covenant. He's going to take the great promises that they were given and marry it with new promises. And the children of God were going to be heirs to a great inheritance. To a great inheritance. They didn't receive it. They could only see it far off. But next verse says, for God had planned something 
better for us so that only together with us would they be made complete. Huh. I want to tell you, you know, I, I, I read all the roll call of faith and I came to this verse and it blew my mind. Here's what I got out of it. All, would you say that Moses had great faith? You say Abraham is a father of faith. And I thought about that. But what does it say? It said God had something better in mind for you. Me. What, what Abraham had, what Moses had, what Enoch had, what the Shunammite woman had is nothing compared to what you and I have. Do you grasp that? Catch this. Now, if the Shunammite woman could have that kind of faith, it is well. Son's dead. No, it's well. If she could have that kind of faith, how much more faith do you think you and I should be able to have if we have something better? Wow. I mean, Noah built an ark for 100 years on dry land, never had seen rain. You're telling me we got more faith than Noah had? Yes. And what do we have? Faith the size of a grain of mustard seed. And it will move mountains. Turn to Hebrews 8, verses 5 and 6. And in this chapter... The writer of Hebrews, probably Paul, is, is talking to us about everything in the Old Testament. Do you, if you took my Old Testament class, you'd understand that everything in the Old Testament is a type and shadow of what was about to be fulfilled in the New Testament through Jesus Christ. The tabernacle, the temple, everything that was, that was mentioned is a, is a shadow. It's, it's just a type of what God was going to do. So when you talk about men and women having great faith, that was, a, that was just a shadow of what's possible for the people, for the children of God. And so, so, Mo, so the writer of Hebrews say in verse 5, he says, uh, uh, they serve, that is the old priesthood, serves at a sanctuary that is a copy and a shadow of what is in heaven. This is why Moses was warned when he was about to build a tabernacle, be sure you, take, you make it exactly like the pattern that I gave you on the mountain. Why? Because it's a type and a shadow of a very similar temple, a very similar tabernacle, a very similar altar. And where's that altar? In heaven. Okay, next verse, verse six. But in fact... The ministry Jesus has received is as superior to theirs as the covenant of which he is a mediator is superior to the old one since the new covenant is established on what? Better promises. Now, that's a mouthful. I don't care what translation you have. But catch this, okay? The ministry of Jesus Christ is so far superior to the copy that was there in the Old Testament the priesthood was merely a copy. But when Jesus came, it's a superior ministry to what they ever even thought of having. Why? Because the covenant that he's walking in, this new covenant, the New Testament of Jesus Christ, is so far superior to what they had as to not even be imaginable. Because why? This covenant is built on better promises than they had, but they could walk in faith and subdue kingdoms and, 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 and say it is well in the midst of death and they could do all these things and they only had a shadow of what we have you have no idea who you are in Christ Jesus 
better covenant, better promises, better ministry, better faith. Whoa. You're heirs to a better, to a better kingdom. They saw it in the distance. They were under bondage. They were under the curse. You've been set free from the curse. They were given promises, but all the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. You've been given liberty, and you've been adopted in as children of the Most High God. Better promises. Peter says great and precious promises. We have Jesus. We have freedom. We have grace, we have peace, we have healing, we have redemption, we have joy unspeakable and full of glory. We have prosperity, and you know what we have they didn't have? We have intimate relationship with the Father. We don't just have an anointing that comes and goes, it fleetingly comes and fleetingly goes. You and I, our depositors, have have a deposit of the Holy Spirit placed inside of us for all eternity. We're going to live forever. We have a relationship with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We have a relationship with the Father that they could only dream about. So what should we have? Put that slide up for me, would you? We should have better faith. It saddens me to believe that you and I sometimes walk so far beneath the potential of what we could have and should have. If we'd only grasp the totality of all that we've been given, we would have faith to move any mountain. The Shunammite woman could only operate in the kind of faith she had with just a little word from God. She believed it. And so she chose to walk by faith and not by sight. How much better can we do in this new covenant, in this new ministry, in this new promise than she could do, than she could do? If Moses was a great man and a prophet, which God, which he was, and do all those great things and open the Red Sea like Pastor Dave said earlier, call down plagues, deliver Israel, how much better can we do? See, there's many times I've gotten to the place where I said, Lord, I can't go any farther. You know what God told me? Good. What took you so long getting here? Because when we get there, then he'll do it. He'll fulfill his promise. When we're weak, Paul said, then we're strong. I will close with this verse, and these are familiar verses. Turn to Mark chapter 20, uh, Mark chapter 11, rather, verse 20. And you know the story. This is a very familiar verse. This is Kenneth Hagin's life verse. Heard him preach it. I used to listen to Kenneth Hagin every day on the radio back in the 80s and late 70s. I probably heard these verses about a million times. And that may not be an exaggeration. In the morning, they passed by the fig tree that Jesus had cursed the night before. And the tree was dried up from the roots. Next verse, please. And Peter, calling to remembrance, said, Oh, Master, remember that that's a tree that you cursed last night on the way to Bethany. It's withered away. 
And Jesus said to him, what? Have faith in God. Can I tell you this morning something? Have faith in God. It won't be misplaced. For verily I say unto you, that whoever will say to this mountain of death, whoever will say to this mountain of job, whoever will say to this mountain of physical healing, be removed and be cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart. Do you think that woman who, who saddled her donkey and rode all the way across the plains of northern Galilee to get to Mount Carmel and climb up that mountain on a, on a rocky little road up to wherever Elisha was, stood on Mount Carmel. It's the biggest, the largest, the tallest, uh, it's hardly a mountain, but it's a big hill. Looks out over the entire plain of uh, Megiddo where the last day battle is going to take place. She climbed all the way up there on the donkey to go to the man of God. Do you think she had an ounce of doubt in her heart? No way. She would have quit early on. She got there and she, she put a demand on the anointing. She put a demand on the promise. Jesus said, if you don't doubt in your heart, but you believe that those things which you say, it is well, shall come to pass, you will have whatever you say. If God has said it in his word, if that's his will, you can depend upon the fact that God will do it. Therefore, I say unto you, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you will receive them and you shall have them. Not just because you're saying anything, Lord, I want a new Jag, I want a 1964 Jaguar XKE. Someday, Lord, thank you, Jesus. God never told me that I was going to get that car. But if God told me he was giving me a son and we've been barren all these years and I believed it and God brought it to pass, do you think for a second I doubt it? I would doubt that it was the will of God for me to have that child. Of course not. So I say to this mountain of death, be thou removed and cast into the sea. And it had to go because that, that woman's faith was alive. It was growing. Supernatural Father, thank you for the supernatural empowerment to bring your word to, to place in our life. My bad habits, my addictions, my fear, my healing, my, 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 my emotional healing, my finance, my job, my family, my relationship. Lord, I put it on the altar. I lay it there before you and I'm speaking your word over it and I'm shutting the door on doubt and fear and unbelief on the whole rest of the world. I don't care what my friends say. I don't care what my family says. I don't care what anybody says, but what you say. And Lord, I'm gonna stand on that promise until you bring it to pass. That's our, that's our option. That's our choice. If that woman could do it under the old covenant, how much better can we do it under the new? Put that slide up. God had, see the word had, I underlined it up there, had, past tense, provided something better for us. Stand to your feet with me today. Whatever you need, if God said it, believe it. You of the better faith, all things are possible to them who believe. Well, every head is bowed this morning, every eye closed. Perhaps you're watching online or you're in this room with us this morning. Maybe Jesus Christ is not the Lord of your life. 
I'm going to give you an opportunity to, to have that changed, have your whole life changed, and let the presence of God come into your heart. Maybe you did this once a long time ago, but God wants you to do it today. He wants you to get right with him. We're living in the last days. We're, we're, you're going to see an upheaval in this society like you've never seen. Don't lose heart. Don't, always, don't ever forget God's in control. Have faith in God. All you need is faith the size of a mustard seed. And God has given you more than enough faith to overcome. So this morning, if you're here in this room and you want to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, lift your hand to God. Maybe you're watching by TV. You want Jesus Christ to come into your heart. All you got to do is say this prayer. Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Oh, I confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and I believe that he is the Son of God, and I want to make him my Lord and my Savior. Lord, I surrender my life to yours in Jesus' name. And if you made that prayer, you made that confession, God has heard it. And if you are sincere, he knows it. And he will come into you and change your life. Change your life. Father God, lift your, lift your hands to the Lord this morning. Just as an act of surrender. God has given you a better ministry, a better covenant, and better promises to give you better faith. Faith in God will move mountains. And you've got more than enough faith to move any mountain that comes your way. If the Shunammite woman could do that, under the old covenant, what can you and I do under the new? Today, Lord, increase their faith. Lord, let it grow and grow and grow in such a way that they'll walk by faith and not by sight, no matter what they see. God's word is true and indelibly imprinted into their mind. And we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen.